Welcome to Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. Follow along on my journey as I ask the questions we all have when it comes to getting pregnant, staying pregnant, and becoming parents. I'm not an expert and I have no experience. I'm going through it all just like you. So thanks for being here and let's get into it. Hello, and welcome back to Any Questions, a podcast all about fertility, conception, and hopefully one day pregnancy and all that good stuff. Um, I've got a little bit of a different recording set up today. It's the same mic and everything just plugged into different places. So hopefully everything sounds okay. And I'm coming at you from a very snowy (laughs) uh, west coast of Canada. We are not used to getting snow um, where I live and uh, it's causing a lot of havoc. I need to take my very tiny dog out for a walk soon, and the snow is higher than she is, so that's going to be interesting. (laughs) Before I dive into the topic of today's podcast, I just want to give a little bit of an update on me. Um, The last time you heard from me, I was, I think, seven uh, DPO, days past ovulation, and you know, hopeful, crossing fingers. Um, Unfortunately, not successful. I think actually soon after I finished recording that podcast episode, I started spotting. And I usually do start spotting kind of like halfway through um, my two-week wait, which, you know, is probably not great. Something I should probably talk to a doctor about. Um, But I did start spotting and my period did come. It was a couple days later than I thought it would be, which was confusing. Um, because I would, you know, have a day of spotting and then a day of nothing and then a day of spotting. So, you know, your hopes are kind of all over the place. Um, but yeah, my period did come. So there will be no, um, I don't know, Christmas miracle. (laughs) I think I talked about this a little bit on the last, um, episode, but my husband and I started trying, um, basically this time last year, just around Christmas of 2021. And he sort of said to me like, oh my God, isn't it crazy to think like, you know, next Christmas we could have a baby. And well, obviously that's, you know, not currently possible (laughs) unless we stole one. Um, I thought, you know, if we were pregnant, at least by next Christmas, that would kind of be like, you know, his prediction coming true. Um, But we're not. And uh, that sucks. Honestly, it's a lot of as I've said so many times on this podcast, it's a ton of ups and downs. You know, when I first got that spotting, when I, and then of course my period did finally come, it was really a very low period for me, especially, you know, with the holidays, it's tough, right? It's high highs, low lows, festiveness and warmth and celebrations and decor and Christmas lights and family and food and gifts and all that fun stuff. But it's also dark and cold and can feel very lonely, especially you know, if you're seeing people announcing pregnancies and sharing photos of babies and people who, you know, if you watch their whole journey of, you know, trying for a baby and getting pregnant and now having the baby, it can be really hard when you feel like you are not where they are, especially around this time. So if you are in any of those boats feeling, you know, lonely, sad, trying for a baby, can't have a baby, wherever you are, um, just sending you a lot of love, especially at this Christmas time and, you know, whatever you're celebrating. Um, I hope you are able to feel some amount of festiveness, joy, <laughs> um, love in, in your life from wherever you can find it, but also that it is totally okay to not be your most cheery self. Um, especially if you're in the middle of a difficult TTC journey. I hear ya. (laughs) Um, So diving in, I thought this would be, you know, a good end of year episode to kind of look back at my whole 
trying to conceive journey now that we are coming up on the one year mark, which blows my mind that it's been a year. It feels like it's been way longer, but also like no time at all. (laughs) So I thought I would do a bit of a retrospective, look back on how the year has gone, ups and downs, uh, a quick little, you know, recap of everything that's happened, and then our plans heading into year two of trying to conceive. Before I do that, I want to give two quick shout outs. Um, As I often mention, if you want to leave me any feedback, if you want to share your own story, if you have episode suggestions, you can do so through two links in the show notes. You can either leave me a voice memo. Um, I never play them on the episode. Uh, It would just be a way for you to communicate with me. Or there's also a link to a Google form so you can fill that out and leave your feedback that way. Um, And I got two uh, new messages. One of them was quite long. And I and I honestly don't know if I'm the right person to answer. There was a ton of questions about how to how to behave, I guess, with your pregnant partner, uh, what books to read, what toys to buy, how to bond with your child, how to bond with your partner. It was, it was a lot. (laughs) And I appreciate that there are a lot of questions, you know, when you are expecting a baby and when you have a new one in your life, I think it would probably be a really great idea to sign up for a parenting class. Um, there, I know there are lots that are done by video, so you don't even have to leave your house um, or pick up a book just to sort of, you know, get the basics. And then you can fill in the gaps by doing some specific research. I don't think I'm the person to do a full uh, podcast episode trying to answer each one of your individual questions, especially as I am not pregnant and don't have a baby. So don't even have firsthand advice to give you, um, let alone, you know, lots of research and experience and all that sort of stuff. Um, So I do hope you find some resources. It sounds like you've got a lot of questions and a lot of exciting things coming up. So I hope you um, find somewhere to to get started with that. Again, I think a book or a class uh, video series would be really, really helpful for you. And in terms of the questions of, you know, interacting with your pregnant partner and bonding with them, I, I think take their lead. Hopefully, if you're in a place where you are having a baby together, you are very comfortable with one another and you have, you know, a good relationship um, in terms of, you know, there were some questions around like, how do I touch their belly? Do I blow raspberries? Do I kiss? Do I hug? Ask them, right? Every pregnant person is different. Um, everyone has different comfort levels. Everyone has different physical touch needs. Uh, so that can very much be a question of like, hey, hun, <laughs> are you okay with me putting my hand on your belly? Or like, can you let me know when would be a good time to, for me to talk to the baby? Or if, you know, if the baby's kicking, is it okay if I touch you here? things like that, like you can just ask, it's totally fine. Um, Another response I got on the Google forum was from a lovely listener in London um, saying, uh, thanking me for the podcast and that it really helps them feel less alone in this whole journey. Um, They also gave me some great ideas for a future podcast I'm gonna do all about traveling while trying to conceive or traveling while pregnant. So thank you so much for those ideas. Uh, One thing I wanted to shout out quickly, this listener um, shared that she has joined some forums on Peanut as well as Pre-Mom. I think those are both two apps and websites and that she's joined some like forums and chat groups there. And that can be a really great place to go if you are feeling alone and isolated in this whole TTC journey, especially if you're not sharing with your uh, in real life, your IRL (laughs) friends and family. It can be really awesome to have an online support group. So if you are looking for something like that, um, this listener really recommends the forums on Peanut and Premom. I haven't tried them out myself, but I'm sure they are awesome and full of lots of people like you. So if you need some support, some people to talk to, ask questions, I'm sure those are really great places to go. Okay, let's dive into my first year of trying to conceive. So like I said, we started our TTC journey 
uh, Christmas 2021. And actually for that whole winter, sort of December, January into February, um, we didn't have a ton of great opportunities to conceive. Uh, we were actually on family trips both times that I was ovulating um, once to uh, my family for Christmas back in uh, the East Coast of Canada. And then we were on another family trip with my partner's family to Hawaii um, at the end of January. So <laughs> it made it a little bit tricky. We probably did not um, do the deed as often as we probably needed to. Uh, we weren't really using any, you know, testing materials beyond, I think I was tracking cervical mucus a little bit and taking my temperature, you know, when I remembered, but again, really difficult when we're traveling and we're in different climates and things like that. Um, however, it was exciting, right? It was the very first time we were um, doing the deed without any contraception. The very first time we were like trying to have a baby, which is so funny because you go, you know, so many years of your life really trying not to get pregnant. It's really funny when that, that switches and you're like, oh wait, <laughs> you're, you're right. We don't need any protection. Um, I was feeling very optimistic. I remember, um, in, I think either in January or February, whatever it was, you know, after our first or second cycle of trying, um, I was super, super excited. I was, you know, mapping out like, okay, if that, if, you know, if that worked, if we're pregnant, here's when we're going to be due. And this is when we'll hear the heartbeat. And here's when the baby will start kicking. And here's when we can have the baby shower. Like I was so into it. And let's be honest, I still map out all of those dates every time we, um, you know, go through a cycle because I like to do that. I'm a planner. Um, super optimistic. I was really, really like overly in tune with my body, every little twinge or ache. I was like, oh my God, that's a cramp. Oh my God, my boobs hurt. Like writing things down. And I was just so convinced that I was pregnant. I think after that first or second cycle of trying, um, just because like it was things I had never paid attention to before, right? Like I had never really noted any of my PMS symptoms. So the fact that I was paying attention and it really felt like things were happening. Um, I remember going to dinner with one of my girlfriends on probably like day 11 or 12 DPO. And my boobs were so sore that day. And I was like convinced that I was pregnant, convinced. And I was at that dinner and I kept thinking like, oh my God, the next time I see her, I'm going to get to announce it. I'm going to have this news to share with her. Um, funny, here I am like, you know, 11 months later <laughs> with no news. Um, yeah, it's just, it's very interesting. And I talked about this in my last episode about like, you know, what I wish I had known beforehand. I'm glad I was optimistic and positive. I don't think it's fun to go into a situation like this, you know, feeling negative and doubtful, but I also wish I had been a little bit more realistic because it was hard to come down from, from some of those highs. Um, but yeah, so the winter, our very first, you know, couple cycles were, um, not a ton of opportunity to get things done, um, but feeling very optimistic when we did. And in case you're new here, um, I have PCOS, which actually leads us perfectly into the spring. <laughs> spring of 2022, um, I started using the ovulation predictor kits. So I bought um, the big packs that you can get on Amazon very cheaply. They're just the little, I think they even call them like the cheapies or something like that. Um, I believe the brand is Premom. Uh, I could look that up, but literally just go on Amazon, type in OPK it'll be like the cheapest biggest box you can find and the idea is that you test your urine in the days uh, leading up to ovulation and it'll let you know when the luteinizing hormone in your body is high which sparks ovulation um, and again I am not a researcher not a scientist sorry if I got any of that wrong but that's the idea it lets you know when you are about to ovulate so I started using the OPKs um, I was still taking my temperature, I was still tracking cervical mucus, and I was doing a lot of deep dives on the internet in probably less 
than healthy ways for my mental health, at least. Uh, really trying to figure out what the heck was going on because spring 2022 was when I did not have my period for, I believe it was 139 days. So it extremely long time. And I've talked before, you know, I, I have an irregular period. Um, once I got off birth control the year before, uh, so I think I stopped taking birth control January 2021, um, my period kind of fluctuated anywhere from 20 days to 50 days. Um, but going 139 days without a period was like absolutely bananas. That has never happened to me before. And I know if you are somebody with PCOS or other conditions, that might just be something that happens to you all the time. But for me, this was brand new and I was super confused, um, did not know what was happening, kept, you know, kept testing, kept taking these OPKs, nothing was happening, no temperature spikes, nothing. So I did not ovulate for that whole time, whatever that is, five months, um, which is, you know, when you think about it, trying to conceive, okay, yes, we tried to conceive for a whole year, but there was, oh, let me do the math before I call 139 days, five months, uh, excuse me, while I pull up my calculator here, 139 days divided by 30, 4.6. Okay. Four and a half months, essentially, <laughs> of not having my period. And even when I was having my period, my cycles are generally closer to 40 days than 30 days. So it's not like in a year of trying to conceive, I had 12 chances or, you know, 13 chances, however many chances a person with regular 28 day cycles would have, I had way less, um, which is, you know, encouraging in terms of like, okay, hey, you know, we haven't actually had that many shots, maybe we can do this naturally. But also discouraging that, you know, just the way my body is currently working, that in a year, we only get, you know, five shots or something like that, six chances to do this. So, Ah, pros and cons on that, obviously still processing quite a bit. Um, but in the spring is when I connected with some girlfriends and one of them said, hey, you know, I have PCOS, maybe that's something you want to go get tested for. And I had heard of PCOS and I had looked up the symptoms about a year before that and thought, you know, maybe this is me. I do have some of the symptoms, you know, my periods are regular. I have the really fun acne and like hair on my chin, which is just like ugh, such a yucky symptom of PCOS, um, you know, probably insulin resistant, things like that. There are a lot of PCOS symptoms that lined up with what, um, what I was seeing with myself. So I contacted my doctor and, um, after lots of calls and lots of waiting, because that's how healthcare works in Canada. Uh, but luckily it was free. I got sent for a transvaginal ultrasound where again, after some more waiting, uh, they confirmed that I did have a number of cysts um, or follicles in my ovaries and that that in combination with my other symptoms like the hair growth, like the acne, like the um, missing period for such a long time did give me a PCOS diagnosis. So that was happening in the spring. <laughs> a lot of confusion, a lot of worry, a lot of testing, tracking, um, a, long, a long spring, let me tell you. <laughs> Coming into the summer, my regular doctor, uh, my GP, referred me to a gynecologist. And again, it was a ton of waiting, a ton of, you know, making a call to then get a call three weeks later saying, okay, yes, you have an appointment three weeks from now. Just a lot, basically very long waits between very short phone calls is kind of sums up the health system here. Um, but I finally was able to get um, in touch with the gynecologist and they suggested a few more tests. So they sent me for an, oh my goodness, I've already forgotten what it's called. HSG, I believe is the acronym, um, which is basically a test where uh, 
a doctor and an ultra or not an ultrasound a an x-ray tech technician technologist rather sorry um they insert dye into your fallopian tubes i believe it is oh my gosh if anyone's an actual doctor hearing about this or you know what i'm talking about i apologize i'm getting it wrong but basically the test is they insert dye into your i believe fallopian tube slash uterus something like that and they want to see that the dye can like make its way through your tubes and that your tubes aren't blocked. Um, so I went for that test. It was a little bit uncomfortable, just the whole test, you know, it was awkward. It was not my favorite procedure. And then there is like a little bit of pain at the end. Um, luckily it's really fast. Um, and you also get the results like immediately. So right away the doctor came up to me and he said like, you know, good job. <laughs> you did it. Um, and your tubes are not blocked, which is amazing. Cause that would have just been like one more thing for us to have to get over. So according to that doctor, according to that test, my tubes are clear. So that's like not a concern. Um, and my gynecologist also sent me for blood work. I am, I wouldn't say I'm scared of needles, but I am scared of getting my blood drawn. Um, I don't know why something about like the needle going in is no problem, like vaccines and stuff, obviously not, you know, a huge fan. I don't love needles, but like I can go and get a vaccine, no problem. But the idea of like blood coming out of my body really freaks me out. So I was really, really scared for this blood test, actually more scared for the blood test than the HSG test, which is funny because that one was like actually more painful and more of like a procedure. <laughs> I had to like, you know, put on a hospital gown and all that. Whereas the blood test, you know, you just show up. Um, but the place I went to get my blood drawn, they were so lovely. They let me like lie down in a little side room, which I've talked about in a past episode, how if you need, you know, if you're scared of needles, if you're scared of whatever, like if you need accommodations, ask for them. Like in, in most cases, they're more than happy to make you as comfortable as possible. So that was really amazing. Um, and every time I go to get my blood drawn, because obviously I've had to do it a couple times in my life, it's never as bad as I think it is. I just really build it up in my head. So, ah. <laughs> uh. Um, yeah, so got my blood drawn to basically test for a few more things. Um, thyroid function was one of them, which as far as I can tell, everything looks fine thyroid wise. Uh, they also wanted to test my hormone levels and I do have elevated testosterone, which again is like a hallmark of PCOS, uh, very, very common. And then I believe there was an additional test they did for egg reserve or egg quality. Um, and I'm saying, I believe with a lot of these things, because even though I had that testing done in the summer slash spring. Um, I actually haven't talked about the results with my gynecologist yet. And that is because we are still waiting for some more tests. <laughs> and basically the way my gynecologist left it with me was, Hey, I'm going to, you know, write you, what is it? Not a prescription, but like, um, request, I guess, these tests for you. So the HSG test and the blood test for me, and then suggest that my husband do a sperm analysis. So he's like, I'm going to, you know, send you for all these tests. And then once you get all the results, once all the tests are done, call me back and we'll set up an appointment and we'll go over the results. So I was able to get the HSG test and the blood test done over the summer. Um, but my husband is still in the process of waiting for the semen analysis test. And I've talked about this on the podcast too. I'm not really going to go into results or anything like that with his testing, just because this is my podcast and I'm sure, um, he doesn't need me telling the whole world about his semen, <laughs> but basically, um, he's had one test, um, and they want him to test uh, again one more time just for something else to confirm. Um, so we are still waiting for him to go for that test and he's not going to be able to go until January. So we probably won't have results until end of January, early February, which is 
bananas because <laughs> that'll basically be like almost a year till when, you know, to when we started this whole testing process. So it really does take a while to go for all of these different medical tests. Um, so I'm in, this is summer 2022 now. We are in the middle of all of these tests. Um, I finally, finally get my period back. I think um, Canada Day weekend, I believe, I finally get my period. So um, I think I did catch the ovulation right before that period, obviously not successful. Had my period over Canada Day weekend, in case you're not Canadian, that's July 1st. <laughs> uh, apologies, I just said that as if you would know. Um, so July 1st, finally get my period back after almost five months of not having it. And then um, end of July, right after my 30th birthday, uh, my husband gets COVID. He works at a hospital. He picked it up. This is actually his first time getting COVID, which is very impressive considering he's worked in a hospital with COVID patients this whole time. Um, and he brings it home to me. <laughs> so summer is, you know, in my opinion, the highs of like finally getting my period back. That was exciting. Um, being able to go for these tests, which was scary and uncomfortable, but so good to like have answers and be progressing. But then we got COVID. And unfortunately, the next uh, cycle of ovulation, we were not able to to try to conceive just we were both feeling absolute crap. And I know everyone handles COVID differently, but just the way it was hitting us, it, it was not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to be very successful, which totally makes sense, right? Like you expect when you are ill, especially with something like COVID that, you know, can really take people down. Um, you're not going to be really up for doing much in the bedroom. Um, but for someone like me who just went almost five months without a period and who regularly has to wait, um, you know, 30 plus days between cycles, it was really, really hard to know that like, Hey, I've waited so long. It's, you know, end of July, August, early August now, whenever it was. And like, we're not even able to take advantage of this time. Um, so that was a tough one. It was a, it was a tough summer in that, in that respect. Um, leading into the fall. So with the fall, it was basically just a lot of upheaval in our regular life. Um, as I shared on the podcast in real time, as it was happening, uh, the place where we were living the upstairs neighbors had a huge flood, basically like I think their toilet or something like overflowed um, and all of the water seeped into our unit. And it didn't seem like it was a big deal. Like we just had some water near our laundry and we were kind of like, okay, no problem. Like, you know, we mopped it up, whatever. Um, but they had people come in and do tests and basically all of the walls and all of the ceiling and all the floor was like hella damaged. So we had people coming in, doing tests, trying to uh, suck the water out of the walls for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then finally, our landlords let us know that like, hey, actually, we're planning to move in. So we're actually going to, you know, once your tenants, your one year is up um, in November, we were actually planning to um, essentially kick you out uh, and, and move in ourselves, which they're allowed to do. Um, we get a free month of rent while they do it, which is nice. Um, but they offered us, hey, since, you know, we have to do this really extensive renovation to get rid of the water damage, rather than you living through a renovation, which is, you know, sucks to begin with to live through a renovation, especially one that's going to be in the kitchen and kind of in the bathroom and the entryway, it would have made living in our house very difficult. I also work from home and we have a dog. So it would have just been like a nightmare of, you know, and especially in this time when renovations are taking forever just because of all the supply chain issues and things like that. Um, so they offered to us, Hey, you know, if you want, you can leave early. 
Um, basically, we're going to kick you out by November anyways. Um, but if you want to leave before the renovation starts, you're welcome to. So <laughs> in the span of basically a month, you know, this place we thought we were going to be living for years. We thought we'd bring a baby home to this house. We had, you know, already mapped out where we would have put a little like nursery in the bedroom. Really, really loved this home. Um, it was difficult to to realize we had to leave, but it really did not make sense for us to live through a renovation. So uh, very quickly, basically with like less than two weeks notice, we decided we were going to give our notice, pack up completely um, because we had a trip booked. We had a trip booked already for the last, I think two weeks of September. So we figured why not try to get out before our trip so we don't have to pay rent for two weeks while we're not gonna be here. So it was a very stressful time of trying to pack um, for our trip, but also pack to move out of the house. We were putting all of our stuff in storage because when we came back from our trip, we were living at my aunt's house temporarily while we looked for a permanent house. So it was just a ton of packing. Like we had all these piles, you know, this is stuff we want to get rid of. This is stuff we want to sell. This is stuff we want to donate. This is stuff that's coming on our trip. This is stuff that's going to storage. This is stuff that we still need here. This is stuff that's going to the aunt's house. Like it was just, it was so stressful. And I've moved a lot. Like I counted the number of moves. I think I'm at like 40 moves in my life and I'm only 30. So that's kind of bananas. Um, but this was probably one of my most stressful moves. So short notice. And it was also one of the few times in my life. And I've, I guess I've been very lucky in this regard that I moved when I didn't want to. Usually, you know, most of my past moves, it's been pushed by me. It's something like, okay, I want to live in a new place or I'm moving to a new city or, you know, school is over and it's time to move. This was one of the times where I really thought I was going to be in this place for, you know, at least another year. Um, and that was kind of like ripped out from underneath us quite quickly. So it was a difficult time and you're probably like, okay, what the hell does this have to do with trying to conceive? All this to say life was just a bit of a mess from sort of August till Oh, December, <laughs> um, a ton of upheaval, just a ton of packing. Uh, we went on our trip, we came back. And I think because my body was so stressed, just like holding the stress of this move inside my body, we just had a really hard time. Like I basically had spotting for like a full month. My period was really delayed. And I truly do believe that was because of all the stress that I was holding inside. I, I'm not a super hippy dippy person, as you probably know from listening to this podcast, you know, very much believe in science. Um, but I also believe that if your body doesn't feel safe, it's not going to get pregnant. Like your body doesn't want to bring a new life into the world. If you're feeling, you know, if it's carrying all of this stress and, and uncertainty. So that was where I was at. Um, basically, yeah, I spent like all of September just spotting <laughs> when my period was due, uh, taking ovulation tests, taking pregnancy tests, just being like, what the hell is going on? And then once things kind of settled down, my period actually showed up. Um, October, November was again, a little bit stressful. We were looking for a long-term home. We were living at my aunt's house, which was, you know, wonderful to not be without a place to live, but also didn't really feel like our place. It felt very temporary. Everything was just like not quite ours. And then finally, you know, we found a place to live. We thought we were moving November 1st. It got pushed back to November 15th. It got pushed back again to November 25th, which all was fine. You know, we had my aunt's place to stay at. So it's not like we were, you know, out on the streets or anything. And we were able to help the current tenant who was living in this house because their next place wasn't ready. Um, so it all worked out fine. But finally, finally, once we moved into our now permanent <laughs> new home <laughs> at the end of November, 
it has finally felt like things have been settled. And I think, I, like, I can feel that in my body. This feels like home. I am much less stressed, much more calm. And we're back to trying again. So I think we've had one cycle of trying while we've lived here, which again, my cycles are quite long, closer to 40 days than 30. And that's like in when times are good, unless it's, you know, five months. Um, and that's where we're at. Our most recent cycle, the one that we've been in this new house here, uh, not successful. I am just finishing up my period now. So my next chance is not going to be until the new year. So that was, that was year one of trying to conceive. <laughs> Looking back at the full year, it's really interesting to sort of chart our journey. And there's definitely a lot of takeaways, a lot of like big lessons from the year. I know I covered a lot of this in my last episode of like, what kind of advice would I give someone who's just starting out? But looking back, it is interesting to see like how hopeful and optimistic I was right at the beginning, how I really did think this was going to work instantly. Um, and again, while I'm glad that I came into this whole thing, very positive, very hopeful, I do wish I had been a bit more realistic and that I knew how up and down this process was going to be, that there really were going to be those emotional ups and downs. I am so glad we started reaching out to healthcare professionals and started testing and stuff while we did. Um, I shared this in the last episode. If something is going on with you that doesn't feel right, please don't wait a year. Like if you have inconsistent periods or pain or yeah, things that just don't feel right, you know, your body, um, if, especially, you know, if you do think you have PCOS, like get in touch with the doctor, get the test that you need to confirm um, what you're feeling so that, you know, once it's been like me, once it's been a year of trying, you can go back to your doctor and say like, not only have I tried for a year, but like, here are my tests, here are the results. What's next? What do we do? Looking back at the year, there were definitely times when I was I think, too invested in this journey when not only was I, you know, physically <laughs> trying, but I was tracking and taking temperatures and taking tests and reading all of these articles and going down rabbit holes on the internet, starting podcasts to talk about my experience, <laughs> um, but just way too in it. And it was like not a good place for my mental health. And I didn't know how to step back. And I think now, you know, now that it's been a year, I think I have found a better way to approach this. Um, I have learned how to sort of step back and have other things going on in my life and have also really accepted that like this is a journey and that there's going to be parts of my cycle when I am very invested and when I'm testing and temping and tracking and that there's going to be other times where I don't even think about it. And that's okay. Like it's good to have those times where you don't think about it because the hardest part for me is I don't want to look back at 2022 at our first year of trying to conceive and be like, all we did was try to conceive and we failed. Like that is such a horrible feeling. And I don't want that. I don't want that to be my life. Like if this is a journey that we are on for multiple years, I don't want to look back at those years and say, oh, all I did was temp and track and test and nothing else. There was nothing else of value. I had no other interests. I had no other passions. I didn't go on trips. I didn't, you know, get excited about new projects because I was just so stuck in this mindset. I don't think that's healthy for me. And it's just like not the life I want to live. And I know I've talked about this in past episodes, but looking back at my year, that's really one of my biggest takeaways is like, you know, I'm, I'm so glad I did invest, you know, the, the mental energy when I did, because I think, I believe that's what led us to testing and has helped us sort of figure out where we're at. But I'm also really glad I've learned how to step back and have a bit of separation from this whole process because it can be a lot. It can be really overwhelming. 
going into year two, I can't believe, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that. I think it's still taking me some time to wrap my head around this whole thing. Um, but heading into year two of trying to conceive, I think step one is once we do get my husband's tests back, I want to get back in touch with my gynecologist and say, okay, like, you know, we have all the tests, here are all the results. Where do we go from here? Is it time for fertility treatments? And then, you know, those things, as I've shared, are not covered in my province. So then it becomes a question of like, okay, you know, what do we want to pay for? What can we afford? What do we need to save up for? Is it time to look into other options or do we need to keep trying? Um, at the same time, which is sort of, you know, the exact opposite, I also kind of want to loosen up. And, and I already have, like, I haven't taken my temperature in months. I've been really relying on cervical mucus, which is just something I can observe. I don't have to like actively test for, um, and taking those ovulation, uh, test strips just in the times when I really think ovulation is coming. Um, and I think that's a healthier place for me to be at, not to be testing something every single day, every morning when I wake up. Um, so I'm trying to be a little bit more loose in, in that aspect. I also want to share more of this process with my husband. That's a big goal of me heading big goal for me heading into year two. Um, and I've done past episodes on this before, but like how to share this journey with your partner. Um, for me, I really want him to be uh, a big part of this because this is, you know, his life and his baby too. And I want us to be in on this together. So I might even have to head back and listen to my own episode about <laughs> how, how to do that and how to, how to involve him, especially if we do have to head into treatment or medication or, you know, things like that, procedures, whatever, even if we have conversations about adoption or donor sperm or donor eggs or circuits or IVF or IUIs or fostering or not having kids at all. Like those are huge conversations and I want us to already be on the same page and in it together. That's hugely important for me. I don't think year two is going to be the year we make any big drastic moves like that, but who knows? I didn't think, I didn't even think there was going to be a year two at the beginning of this. <laughs> um, before I leave you, as this is going to be my final podcast of the year, I'll be back two weeks from now, January 4th should be when my next episode comes out. I do want to say, um, I'm so grateful to all of you who are listening. I know there are hundreds of you out there who, um, tune in every week and I just really, really appreciate it. I know this is sort of, um, like quite, uh, I don't, I don't want to say off the cuff because I do have notes, but this is definitely a different podcast. You know, it's not heavily produced. I don't have interviews. I'm not an expert. I'm not even a mom. I'm just a person like going through this process. And it means so much to me that I can share that with you and that so many of you have resonated with it and you share your own journeys back with me. That is so, so powerful. And it really, really does make my day. So if you do have any feedback about the show, any episode ideas or things you want me to talk about, or if you just want someone to listen, absolutely leave me a voice memo, um, fill in the Google form. I would love to hear from you and, uh, and hear where you're at. And fingers crossed for all of us, let 2023 be an incredible year. Let it be our year when, um, you know, the the line turns pink or the second line shows up or the smiley face shows up, whatever kind of test you have. Um, fingers crossed. I think that's, <laughs> I don't want to jinx it. And I know it might not happen and that there's lots of other stuff to be grateful for. Lots of learnings along the way, but like, let's just be hopeful right now. Right. Fingers crossed 2023. It's our year.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. If you liked hearing from me, I'd really appreciate it if you could do all the things. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with a friend. Even if I wasn't able to answer all of your questions, I hope there's some relief in knowing you're not alone in asking them. Thanks so much for being here.